0: Good to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. I'm glad that we're going to have some time together. I've got Rob Bluey coming up uh, in just a minute. And then also Dr. Alex McFarlane is going to join me in this hour. And in hour two, Jeff Verdorn is my guest. So it's going to be a great show. Always glad to have Rob Bluey on. He's the executive editor at the Daily Signal. Rob, welcome.
1: Bill, it's good to be back today. How are you?
0: I'm good. I was uh, t- t- talking to uh, Corinne, your booking uh, person, and she said, What would you like to talk about today? And I said, Well, I'd like to talk about my huge pay raise, my upgrade to first class and my backstage invitation from Paul McCartney.
1: But none of that has happened. (laughs) Well, maybe you should ask uh, President Biden to get right on that. But, you know, I
0: I looked at some of the topics of what's going on and and there's just nothing that is just uh, good news. It's so hard to talk about things that feel so negative. But I look at day 100 of uh, the war in Ukraine and I know you've got some comments on that. Uh, what uh, What is the, the latest? What is going on over there?
1: Well, it is, uh, it, it, Friday was the 100th day, and uh, th- things I wish I could report better news don't seem to be getting much better. Uh, the war continues, and uh, it seems that Russia will continue to uh, make advancements. Uh, of course, the Russian goals for this campaign have changed uh, quite dramatically from where we started 100 days ago, uh, when they had seemed to want to, you know, have an advance on Kyiv, the capital. Uh, Now they're focused on the eastern portion of Ukraine, um, trying to, what they say, liberate the Donbass region. Uh, Ukrainians would have to say other things about uh, the Russian terminology there, but uh, that seems to be their focus. Now, uh, the Russian presidents, or the, sorry, the Ukrainian president said Russia now controls a full 20% of land that belongs to Ukraine. So, I mean, a significant Hmm. part of the country is now in Russian hands. And again, I just don't see the Russians uh, retreating anytime soon, Bill. I think this is going to probably continue uh, for quite some time.
0: Oh, just, uh, I think the, the Russian people are getting very weary, and they're not even referring to it as a war; they're referring to it as the special project.
1: Well, that's right. Uh, if 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 Russians even call it a war, they can uh, can apparently be uh, punished for that. Uh, yes, they can. That's yeah. That's that's the difference between living in a free society like ours and living in a in a society where uh, they are um, closely scrutinized, uh, their their words and actions, mm-hmm. and uh, and they will fully employ uh, the government or or, or private companies uh, to advance uh, a, a certain agenda or a certain mindset. So uh, we should cherish our freedom here, and I think that's why probably if you're a Ukrainian uh, citizen, you worry about what this means. Uh, they know that living under Russian rule is not all that it's cracked up to be, and I think that's why they're fighting uh, so. So strongly uh, to resist the Russians from taking over even a greater amount of their country.
0: Mm-hmm. Rob, when does the Supreme Court uh, session end? Uh, I know we're going to probably be getting announcements here any day. I'm, I'm mostly concerned, uh, you know, as well about some of the the, the vandalize uh, vandalizing that's going on at pregnancy centers across the country.
1: Well, it's uh, going to end at the. End of this month, which would be June 30th, which is the 30th, which is the, uh, the th- Thursday, the last Thursday, which is the day that you would typically get your final decisions. Although, Bill, I have heard there, since there are still about 30 opinions that they have to hand out, and there's, let's face it, not much time to, to get through all of those, that it could stay, extend a little bit. It's really up to the court when they want to, uh, call things, um, Uh, over. Uh, But I will say this, uh, we we had expected and even hoped that the Dobbs decision would be handed down uh, shortly after the the draft leaked. It appears that uh, Chief Justice Roberts is not going to let that individual who chose to leak that draft opinion uh, have any impact on on when he is going to have that uh, decision announced. We always expected that decision being the, the signature case of this term uh, to be announced at the end of the term. So we probably are going to have to wait, although we will be ready if uh, if and when it comes earlier. But in the interim period, you're absolutely correct. There are groups in Washington, the Washington, D.C. area that have been protesting at the justices' homes. Uh, they continue to protest at the Supreme Court itself. And I think it's, it's troubling because, as you indicated, they have uh, taken... Um, Taking matters into their own hands and, uh, done some damage, uh, and, uh, not only physical damage, but, uh, you know, the, the words they use are, are quite hurtful. And I think that just as Clarence Thomas said it best when he said, this is not how conservatives would behave if they, uh, were on the losing side of a case. And let's face it, conservatives have been on the losing side of plenty of cases, particularly when it comes to the marriage cases over the recent memory. So, uh, Bill, it's uh, it's anyone's guess as to when the decision will be handed down. But uh, again, we've got a lot of decisions left and we'll be watching closely every time they uh, are, are announcing them on decision days.
0: Yeah. Rob, the highest court was compromised and we still don't have a name as to how that got leaked.
1: We don't. Uh, yeah. So the latest on the investigation seems to indicate that all of the people who would have potentially had access to that opinion have been asked to, to turn over various records. Um, so they, we, we know that the investigation uh, continues to be ongoing. I was uh, surprised. It seemed like it was a fairly small number. I don't recall the exact number, but it was, it was smaller uh, than I had anticipated, the number of people who would have access to it. So uh, to your point, maybe I'm guessing a little bit of surprise in your voice there. Uh, yeah, it, it, it does seem uh, like this maybe should have been um, concluded a while ago. Uh, when we all found out on that uh, Monday night uh, in May uh, that we we I think expected a, a much uh, quicker uh, resolution to the case, but uh, maybe the Supreme Court is uh, is doing things in its in its own way, and uh, we'll we'll hopefully find out eventually. Uh, but they may choose not to reveal the the, the person uh, they may choose to handle it as a personnel matter and and keep it internal. But mm-hmm. uh, what I do think has has. What I think will change forever, Bill, is is the fact that there's going to be a lack of trust, and and rebuilding that trust within the court is probably going to take years, if not decades, uh, given the the gravity of what happened in this particular leak.
0: Mm-hmm. Rob Blouy is my guest, executive editor at the Daily Signal. Go to dailysignal dot com. Rob, when I saw this DC pregnancy center that was vandalized, and they're they're putting the graffiti that says "Jane says revenge." Now I get the feeling this could be a summer of some violence with um, many copycats like this going on at pregnancy centers around the country.
1: Well, and I think it's yes, you're you're absolutely correct. Uh, this one was particularly troubling because, uh, the, the, first of all, the the crisis pregnancy center in question here is just doing remarkable work to help individuals who are struggling uh, to get by or, or need assistance. I mean, that's that's why it is there to exist the fact that somebody would vandalize it, uh, I I think is, is is troubling, um, and, and really disturbing. I, I'm sad, uh, that people have resorted to, to this kind of behavior and why they would target a crisis pregnancy center, uh, why they would target anything is is beyond me. I mean, after all, we're talking about saving human lives here. So, Mm uh, Bill, I, I, I I find it, um, find it heartbreaking that the individuals who don't have a a whole lot and and donate to a crisis pregnancy center have to um to find themselves in a a situation where even entering the building or 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 volunteering to support it uh you know they might find themselves in the crosshairs of uh, of of somebody's angry tirade as as we saw here but the daily signal exists to expose stories like this uh let me say one final thing i was disappointed in the lack of media coverage uh, on this i think that if this had happened uh, to an, another type of institution, it probably would have been uh, significantly uh, more covered. Um, unfortunately, it was mostly conservative or Christian media that chose to cover this story. And I think that that's when uh, you start to see the lack of trust in media, because and the American people, I think, are smarter, and they know that there are certain stories that uh, the media doesn't care to cover because it doesn't fit their agenda.
0: hmm uh, like that tragic incident that happened in Philly over the weekend where the 20-year-old woman who was pregnant was shot, and they— that uh, she lost her life, but they were able to save the baby and that's how they talked about it. We saved her baby.
1: That's right. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and I think that that's how we need to talk about it yes. and, and, you know, surprisingly, Bill, you've, you've even had people who are on the other side of this issue, like President Biden, acknowledge, um, that, uh, that it, that it is, it is a baby as uh, a boy or a girl. And why they continue to not only disrespect uh, those of us who who believe in life uh, from conception, I I don't fully understand. They want to ram through legislative proposals uh, that would legalize abortion uh, right up until birth or in some cases, in some states, even after birth. I mean, it's just it's just shocking uh, some of the proposals coming out of places like California. And that's why I think we, we need to have uh, states and, and the federal government to take act- legislative action, because when the court case is decided, that does not end the debate. We should remember that. It simply means that courts, uh, sorry, that the courts will get out of the way and that state legislatures and the people will actually be in a position to decide what they want to do in their own states. And if members of Congress so choose, they can pass a federal law as well.
0: Rob, do you think some left-leaning states like New York and California may have some surprises during uh, the midterm elections?
1: I, I do. Um, based on some of the most recent polling on battleground states, uh, there are a number of factors that are going against uh, President Biden. His uh, his approval rating is, is significantly down. But I think the number that should concern him most or concern other Democrats is uh, his handling of the economy and inflation. Uh, that continues to be a sore spot um as somebody who filled up my gas tank today paying 4.99 a gallon um, i'm sure it's going to cross the five dollar mark here any day Uh, i think more and more americans are getting fed up and saying what are you going to do about it and his actions up to this point have not been sufficient and what does that mean come election day well i mean we're still several months away bill but i think that the american people are going to see that congress isn't doing much to act on this they're not uh, uh, looking for new sources of uh, of energy, and uh, they'll probably punish the the leaders in charge at the ballot box. That could mean anywhere from 30 to 50 seats uh, flip in, in the House, and it'll mean in states like New York and California and some liberal bastions, they'll probably see more Republicans ushered into office.
0: Mm-hmm. Rob Louie's my guest, and he has a surprisingly uh, large number of answers. So if you have questions, send them over. You can text them to 877 933 2484. Again, questions can be texted to eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. 933 Rob Louie is the executive editor at the Daily Signal. You can always go to dailysignal.com. Be right back. Joining me today, Rob Blue is my guest. He is the executive editor at The Daily Signal. Rob, the other day I saw the press secretary for the White House uh, reading off gas prices around the world so that maybe we would shut up because it's better here. But uh, I don't know if people care about how much gas costs in France.
1: Well, and also I think that the reason that doesn't necessarily connect with people is because they know that we have an abundant uh, number of sources of energy that we're simply not using because if you go back to the start of this presidency joe biden came into office and among his first actions decided to end the keystone excel pipeline and stop drilling uh, oil uh, all across our, our great country so i've told you before bill i'm a supporter of all energy sources i think we should be uh, doing everything we can uh, to Tap into renewables and uh, and and utilize them, but we are still a while uh, from getting to the point where we can do that uh, and and you know be in a situation where we're not paying five dollars a gallon. The, the 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 point is, and the president admitted this that we're going through this transition period. He's not going to come to the relief of the American people because he intends for us. Uh, to have to suffer—the the pain is the point, and uh, that is unfortunately something that we're all experiencing firsthand right now. So, don't expect things uh, to get better uh, unless there's a change in, in in administrations or or Congress can put some pressure on him. But uh, but yes, um, there there are ways to bring down the the price of gasoline, and we're just simply not taking action to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. A comment came in that I heard refineries were operating at full capacity how then does producing more oil help the gas shortage and lower the price of gas
1: well what i've what i've talked to uh, our colleagues at the heritage foundation and others in the industry one of the things that they often say is that the president's simply signaling that because uh, look you can't just you know snap your fingers and and have things uh, flow tomorrow but i mean you can do things like signal that you will uh have more oil and gas uh leases you will be doing more drilling uh, you will try to wean ourselves off of foreign dependence on oil because we know that we can be an energy independent country. Look, the president is going to be making a trip to Saudi Arabia, uh, to, in, to pressure the Middle Eastern countries to increase production. I mean, the irony, why not just produce our own energy here at home and we wouldn't have to necessarily worry about that? So your, your caller is, uh, absolutely, uh, your listener is absolutely correct, Bill. It's not going to be a solution. I mean, he—this is—we're we're t- we're almost two years into to this mess here uh, that uh, the the president has created, and uh, we're we're in a situation that's going to take us a while to dig out of. But I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that uh, maybe um, some of the pressure from from the American citizens will make him realize that uh, those promises that he made to be a moderate and and not support the radical left agenda uh, will, will come true, but uh, I'm not necessarily holding my breath either.
0: Mm-hmm. Another question. What does Rob make of the Michael Sussman acquittal? There's so much there. Sussman and the judge even worked together at the DOJ.
1: Yeah, well, uh, somewhat surprising because, um, uh, the, the prosecutor Durham, uh, has been fairly successful up until this point, uh, in terms of not only, uh, being successful in, in, in securing, uh, Guilty verdicts, but also um, in in disclo- in disposing some very interesting uh, and revealing information. Uh, what does it tell us? I mean, I, I think in this particular case, um, Sussman was able, him and his lawyers were able to, to obviously convince a, a jury of his peers that uh, that he was he was not guilty, and uh, and therefore he, he gets off. Uh, the Durham investigation continues though, and there are still plenty of other people who are are facing uh, prosecution. So. Uh, Look, the, the 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 bigger picture story here. We can get into the the, the nitty gritty details. The bigger picture story here is that what was going on with Hillary Clinton and the attacks against Donald Trump uh, were completely inappropriate. And I I am skeptical that if anybody, if she in particular, is ever going to be held fully account uh, what what uh, what happened during that period of time. Uh, we can hope um, that, uh, that that the Durham and and some of the other people who are are working on this investigation are able to get to the bottom of things and prevent it from ever happening again. Because I think that's ultimately what we need need to to be striving for here. We don't need to relitigate the past. Uh, Trump had to spend two years uh, def- deflecting a lot of questions that should have never even come up in the first place. Uh, but you know, it's uh, it's a situation that our country endured, and uh, and holding people responsible and accountable for their actions is something that I think. Uh, this should happen. So, uh, so disappointed that uh, things did not go Durham's way in the Sussman uh, trial. But um, uh, that's, uh, that's why we have juries. And that's why we have a justice system in this country.
0: Mm -hmm. Rob Blue is my guest, executive editor at the Daily Signal. You have a question, you can send it over 877-933-2484. Another question here, Rob, having moved from California to South Dakota, we experienced firsthand the fraud with the Gavin Newsom recall. They don't care what we think because voter fraud is part of the plan. Can you discuss what the update is on voter, on election fraud?
1: Yes. Well, I mean, yeah, it, it certainly does uh, continue to be an issue that I think resonates with people. Of course, today is a primary day. California is uh, voting today. There are, there are a few things that, that I would point out. Number one, yes, uh, voter fraud continues to be an issue that we need to be concerned about. Uh, If you look at uh, the number of of Americans who have lost confidence in our electoral system, it is staggering. I fear, Bill, that a lot of people will simply sit out and not vote because they've lost that confidence. I certainly hope that's not the case. I think that um, wherever you are listening today, and make sure that your vote counts. Uh, That's the only way you're going to get the laws changed if we have our elected representatives in a position where they can uh, take action. Uh, So number two, uh, the increased use of, of mail-in ballots uh, and, 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 non, and and voting that takes place prior to Election Day. Look, this, for many years, this was absentee balloting, and uh, if you, you were going to be absent on Election Day or there was no way you could get to the poll, there was a way for you to do this. We've expanded it to such a great ordeal that now we have situations where it takes weeks, like the Pennsylvania Republican primary, for, for a candidate to concede. Uh, because we're going through recount after recount and there's there's still grave questions that we have uh, no answers for. Uh, and then you have other states that have taken uh, steps to reform their systems, like Georgia, where we knew within hours on election night. So I uh, I, I remain concerned about some states and uh, the actions that uh, they've taken or they failed to take uh, when it comes to voting. And I think that it's an important issue that we need to continue to, to press forward on. Uh, 2022 will be an opportunity for us to to see t- to test some of those states that have passed laws to see what worked, And then I hope that when state legislatures come back into place in uh, early 2023, they can follow up on those reforms and make sure that when we have our next presidential election in 2024, we won't have. The confusion, we won't have the uncertainty that we saw in 2020.
0: Mm-hmm. Rob, what about election officials? Isn't it important that as followers of, of Christ that we do whatever we can do to keep fairness at the forefront of elections? Uh, is it is it wise that more people would volunteer to be election officials?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that uh, that, that volunteering uh, in a role like that is, is is absolutely critical. And and from at least where where we are in the Washington D.C. area, I know there's always a shortage of people who um, who they're looking to fill those types of roles. Hmm. There are a couple of different things, Bill. So there are the official uh, people who work the polls. Um, so you would go through a training. You know, you you would probably even be compensated. I think in, in a role like that, and uh, and and that is an official role. And then there are the others who maybe on the behalf of the Democrat or Republican party would be you know, a poll watcher, you would, you would sit there and observe, and that's usually a volunteer capacity. Uh, so we need both. Um, I, I think we probably need the former more so than the latter. Uh, so I think if you can volunteer, you should do it. Um, and, and again, Bill, I just can't stress enough the importance of, of enacting some of these reforms And I, I know you've, um, you've spoken in the past uh, to, to my colleague Hans von Spakovsky, who is a leading election reform uh, advocate Uh, He's helped us put together the election uh, integrity scorecard, which looks at every state's laws and gives them a grade. And uh, and we see a lot of room for improvement, even in the states that score high. There are still steps that they can take uh, to make their elections more secure.
0: Mm -hmm. Another question, Rob, that came in. There's going to be a uh, I think ABC is doing a special on the January 6th. It's going to be on TV. Uh, Do you know anything about that? I assume it will be quite biased. Is there anything going to be done to counteract that?
1: Sure. Well, two nights from now on primetime TV, the January 6th committee in the House is holding its first hearing. It'll be uh, the first of several that go on over the next couple of weeks. And so you will be hearing a lot more about January 6th. I think you're you're absolutely correct in, in suggesting that uh, these are probably going to be dramatized for TV. I mean, they're looking for uh, as, as much publicity as they can get out of it. That's why they're doing it in prime time as opposed to during a normal, regular uh, workday work hearing. Um, and yes, the TV networks, I think, are going to absolutely play right along with it. I think their motivation here is, uh, is, is quite, uh, quite easy to discern. They don't want uh, Donald Trump uh, to run for president again. They're going to do everything they can to dissuade him from even making an attempt, and they're going to paint what happened on January 6th as completely his fault. Uh, some of your listeners will probably agree that uh, Trump played a role in that, and that's that's perfectly fine to hold that opinion. I think the story is probably much more complex than that, and there are a lot of answers that you're not going to hear from the January 6th committee simply because they're refusing to talk to certain witnesses and people who were there with firsthand accounts of things that happened. And I think that that's unfortunate. If it was truly a bipartisan effort, and you didn't just have Liz Janey and Adam Kinzinger who – Uh, are Republicans, but uh, really siding with the Democrats on this, I think maybe we could have really gotten to the bottom of what happened on that day. Unfortunately, it's going to be a partisan exercise, and uh, we're not going to to learn the truth.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you have a kids' baseball game tonight?
1: We don't. It's actually raining here in Northern Virginia, so uh, so, so tennis lessons have been canceled, and... uh, (laughs) And I think I just saw one of the kiddos Zoom past on his bike, so maybe swim lessons were even canceled today. So, uh, yeah, the, swimming and tennis are, are the big sports uh, in, in this time of year for the Bluey kids. <laughs> okay,
0: cool. Thank you, Rob, for being on the show. Always love having you. Good to talk to you, yeah, Bill. Thank you so much. Rob Bluey's been my guest. He is the executive editor at The Daily Signal. Go to dailysignal.com. Again, that's dailysignal.com. We'll take a break. When we come back, Dr. Alex McFarland is going to join me, and we're going to continue our discussion of... Uh, Famous dead theologians. Join me. Welcome to the show. I'm going to have a great opportunity once again to talk to my friend, Dr. Alex McFarland. He's a speaker, an author, an all-around amazing guy. Alex, welcome. Well, thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, I I want to go back to our theme, which uh, we're getting a huge response on, and that is famous dead theologians. Now, I know I didn't give you any advance warning, which is kind of the way I like to do it. Uh, That's right. This is unscripted. This is unscripted. But I'm going to I'm going to throw this out and I'm going to have you guess who this might be. He okay. was he was born in 1874 in Scotland. And he died at age 43 in Cairo, Egypt in 1917. Mm. And a lot of people love his daily devotional. Uh is it Oswald Chambers? It is indeed. Nice my highest. <laughs> so I thought it'd be fun to go through some of his uh famous quotes and uh, I think it's so powerful and a lot of people do love his devotional so oh, they do so I think but uh, guess what something occurred to me some years ago about
2: um, my utmost for his highest by Oswald Chambers um, now help me answer this bill if you can if somebody tries to sell to you an autographed copy of my utmost for his highest and I know he died in 1917 mm-hmm. but why should you never buy an autographed copy of my utmost, for his highest i don 't know because it was published posthumously, um, as oh. I remember it, and I read a biography of him, but it was twenty five years ago, uh, like in grad school days but I think after he died, after Oswald Chambers died, uh, at, you know a fairly fairly young age, you know what was he about i don 't know forty two forty three or something like that but um his wife or some of the people close to him put his notes and papers together and my utmost for his highest the beloved devotional book was published you know after he had died so a signed copy would not be possible
0: well alex you're killing my business right now because <laughs> no. my business is selling signed copies of my utmost for oh, His Highest. Man. yeah so Bill, so much for that brother I, I say this in love but you must <laughs> repent <laughs> All right, let's start with uh, a quote that I just love, and this is Oswald Chambers, and he says this, If you're going to be used by God, he will take you through a number of experiences that are not meant for you personally at all. They're designed to make you useful in his hands and to enable you to understand what takes place in the lives of others.
2: Wow. That's (laughs) powerful, isn't it?
0: Oh, is that ever? Because we think everything we go through is all about us.
2: We do. We we tend to have a a, a very uh, me-centric view of life, don't we? Yeah. You know, a narcissistic maybe even. But, um, wow, that that's powerful. I remember reading a quote one time from My Utmost where he was talking about, you know, the hard times of life. And he said that, we, Oswald Chambers said, we must vigilantly maintain God's perspective. That's yes. powerful wording, that's, isn't
0: it? It's so good.
1: Yeah.
2: But... You know, speaking of this, because as a as a pastor and just in ministry work, people often ask why. You know, why did I have to go through that? Uh, you know, good church-going family, and why did this or that happen? But, Bill, I'm reminded of um, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 4. Very interesting. If, and, folks, if you've ever had to go through, like, a, a tragedy or a deep valley or uh, whatever, but 2 Corinthians 1, verse 4 says God comforts us in all our troubles so that we may be able to comfort others when they are troubled with the same comfort wherewith we ourselves were comforted of God. And maybe it's like this, maybe it's, we think, you know, why me, why me? But let's say, and and I've had this a lot in the church, Bill, of couples that um, struggle with infertility or even uh, the death of a child. And that's, just immeasurably painful to think about. But then maybe down the road, you come along somebody and you can legitimately say, I understand, because we were there too, mm-hmm. and and God will help you. And maybe finances, unemployment, sickness, illness, you know, what, whatever. I mean, life has no shortage of heartbreaks to throw our way. But... It might just be preparation for future ministry. And so I would agree with Chambers that the pain we went through might have not been about us at all, really, might have been about somebody else that down the
0: road we're going to come alongside and share Jesus with. Mm -hmm. A couple other follow-ups to what you were just saying, Alex, from Oswald Chambers, and here they are. The great thing about faith in God is that it keeps a man undisturbed in the midst of disturbance. Wow. That's good, too. That that is powerful. Yeah. And here's the other one. We are not responsible for the circumstances we are in, but we are responsible for the way we allow those circumstances to affect us. We can either allow them to get on top of us, or we can allow them to transform us into what God wants us to be. You know, it's funny, because,
2: again, you and I, we don't plan these conversations. They just kind of spontaneously happen. I do think the Holy Spirit presides over them. I was just... Two hours ago, reading a book about overcomers, and I was reading about, like, Herschel Walker, the great sports figure, who was uh, cut from teams, didn't make teams. I was reading about Einstein, who um, the University of Bern, he applied and was rejected like four times, and, uh, you know, on and on we could go. But you're right, it's not what life throws at you, but it's how you navigate it. And the beautiful thing, you know, to piggyback on the Oswald Chambers quote is by keeping our, our our gaze on the Lord, it's not our circumstances that control us, but it's our relationship with Christ and our focus on Jesus that will ultimately allow us
0: to navigate
2: any circumstance. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, Alex, here's a 96-mile-an-hour fastball coming at you. All right, the, I'm re- ready. The remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God— you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. Wow. That's it's true.
2: Yeah. Uh, do you know what? Um, got, I got to lead a lady to Christ. She's in heaven now. This was years ago. She was a great artist. And um, I mean, she wasn't really famous, but she incredibly could have been. I mean, she had talent, this lady. She painted, you know, nature scenes and things like that. But I would go by her house and the lights were always on at night, late at night, never turned the lights out, and um, later she confessed, she said she was terrified at the dark, and just, if she ever heard a sound, she was afraid, this woman was successful, and, you know, by any human perspective, everybody would have thought she had everything all together, but she said one of the ways that she knew her life was different after she had accepted Christ, and she came to Christ like in her 60s, so... Comparatively late for somebody to come to Christ, but thank God she did. She said she knew her life was different because it was night and she wasn't afraid anymore. And she, for the first time in her adult life, would turn out the lights when it was bedtime. And the thing is, like Chambers said,
0: when you fear God, you really don't have to fear anything else. Mm -hmm. All right, Alex, here's another one. There's a short one. The greatest test of a man's character is his tongue
2: that's the book of James isn't it <laughs> it is yeah yeah the the tongue is a tiny little organ mm. compared to the rest of the body but the tongue is a power that no man can tame unless that person is led by the holy spirit mm-hmm. o- only the holy spirit can help us tame our tongue but you know the bible says that from out of the from out of our mouth is revealed the things that are really in our heart and uh Boy, that, that, that's powerful.
0: Um, it's convicting, too, isn't it? It really is. It really is. Dr. Alex McFarlane is my guest, and we're talking about Oswald Chambers, the theologian who died in 1917, and we're uh, reflecting on some of his uh, profound words of wisdom. And I love this one, Alex. We pray when there's nothing else we can do. Jesus wants us to pray before we do anything at all. Amen. (laughs) Yeah, I I think about how many
2: great leaders have kind of echoed that, among them Charles Spurgeon, uh, Martin Luther, talking about uh, they had such a busy day that they dare not enter into this busy day without spending a couple of hours in prayer. You know, uh, rather than being a first response, prayer is often a last resort
0: for us, though, isn't it? It is. Another great Chambers quote is, we have to pray with our eyes on God, not on the difficulties. Well, I'll say that again. Yeah. That's great, Bill. We have to pray with our eyes on God, not on the difficulties. Wow. And isn't uh, that how we kind of come to God in prayer? We we line up our difficulties, and then we start asking Him about the things that we're struggling with and the difficulties, versus praying with our eyes on Him.
2: Yeah. Don't, don't you think that uh, part of the Christian journey and... Uh, Maybe we only get this with you know, growth and trusting God, but it is to remember that our God is able. And we say, you know, but I have this insoluble dilemma. Yeah, but our God created the universe. Our, our God <laughs> mm-hmm. sustains the universe. Yeah. Our, our God conquered the grave. And we've got to remember that God is good. Not only is God able, but God is good. And uh, God has good for us. Okay, Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13 talks about the the good plans and a good, uh, you know, a telios, a design God has for our life. And see, here's the thing. Um, it doesn't matter what problem we face, and I, I realize, you know, life brings <laughs> what we think are just impossible dilemmas. But if, if God, you know, think about this, Bill. Without compromising his holiness without overriding our free will, without violating any scripture. God uh, paid for sin. The, the the holiness of the law was maintained. The wrath of God was poured onto Jesus. The mercy of God was offered to us. Salvation. The Son of God was executed on a cross, buried in a grave, yet three days later Christ rose from the dead. Look, if if God could multitask through the plan of salvation not compromising anything and yet we can be saved i bet he can help me get my mortgage paid the first of the month (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know I, i mean if the holy spirit of god can uh achieve pentecost start the church bring billions to christ and if god loves me and you know uh has offered me to pray Anything in Jesus' name, I bet he can help the prodigal come home. He can help the relationship get restored. He can fix the broken marriage. Our God is not only able, our God is willing.
0: Yeah, so good. I love this. All our fret and worry is caused by calculating without God. Brother, I know that's true. (laughs) All our Um, fret and worry is caused by calculating without God. You know, I'm ashamed to tell you,
2: as a Christian, and not only that, it it gets worse. As a Christian and a minister, I've made decisions that I didn't pray about. I've run ahead of God. Um, Let me say, not only it cost me fret and worry, it's cost me money. I've lost money by doing things that I didn't really pray about, And if I had, um, I think the good Lord might have slowed me down long enough to wait on him. Uh, When I meet Chambers in heaven, he's going to say, you calculated without God.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he is. He is. (laughs) And when we come back, I want to talk about this one because this is so interesting. He said, spiritual maturity is not reached by the passing of the years, but by obedience to the will of God. And that comes from a guy who died at age forty three. So Dr. Alex McFarlane is my guest. We'll take a break as we continue talking about Oswald Chambers and his words of profound wisdom. We'll be right back. McFarland, today we're talking about profound things that Oswald Chambers has said. Right before the break, Alex, I, I gave out this line, which was, spiritual maturity is not reached by the passing of the years, but by obedience to the will of God. That's when you're mature, when you obey the will of God. Amen. Yeah. Hey, you ever heard that saying, some people have been a Christian 20
2: years and some people have been a Christian one year, 20 times.
0: <laughs> I have heard that.
2: And, and, you know, it's interesting how, I mean, I meet some people that have been a believer a very a comparatively short time, but they, they've they drilled down very deeply into the Word, and they are very spiritually mature. And then I've met people that have maybe been a believer for decades, and they are they're still dealing with unforgiveness and anger and emotional problems, and just... I, th- I think we do ourselves a great favor when we, we discipline ourselves to invest in the, the will of God for our lives. Um, I, I want to hear more from Chambers, but, you know, I was at a Q&A session one time, and somebody asked the question, why do some people seem closer to God than others? And we know God is not a respecter of persons, and... Uh, The answers were saying this, you know, some people seem to be closer to God than others because some people are willing to invest time and get up early and pray and spend time in the Word. And uh, it dawned on me, Bill, um, the good news is we can have as much of God as we want. But the fact is we really do have as much of God as we want because he's not holding back. His arms are open, so as deeply as we want to go with the Lord and as intimate as we want to be with Jesus, it's there for us, but we've got to make
0: time and prioritize that. Yeah, and Chambers will say something uh, that will piggyback really nicely to what you just said. He said, when God gets us alone through suffering, heartbreak, temptation, disappointment, sickness, or by thwarted friendship, when he gets us absolutely alone and we are totally speechless, unable to ask even one question... Then he begins to teach us.
2: Wow, that's like you know the famous quote by C.S. Lewis that pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Yeah, I'm sure you've you've heard that. But yeah, I mean we don't like it. It's it's the classic conundrum. How can I have my cake and eat it too? How can I grow but not go through pain? You know? Mm-hmm. How can I how can I get in shape but not ever work out? The answer is you can't. Mm -hmm. And if, yeah, and I think about people like Billy Graham or, you know, uh, the great Christian leaders that, I mean, we could fill in the blank. K. Arthur, Mother Teresa, Elizabeth Elliot, Billy Graham, A.W. Tozer, uh, Oswald Chambers. They, sure, it's prayer, read the word, but I think it's just loving Jesus. I mean we need to be so much in love with the one who gave his life for us that we really do crave uh, time with him and that we want our ways to be pleasing in his sight. And uh, I think the the first step of of deep spiritual maturity, Bill, is to really, really think about how much we should love Jesus and and its gratitude, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's why wouldn't I want to live for Christ? He made it possible for me to go to heaven, not hell.
1: Hmm.
0: Alex's next line uh, is going to probably sound um, a little odd, but he said your priorities must be God first, God second, and God third until your <laughs> life is continually face-to-face with God. Now, Amen. if you were, were going to be teaching uh, to a class, a Sunday school class, w- would you be using that line, or would you say, what I've heard before, you have, to have God first in your life and then your family and then your job and then, you know, your community. Wow. That's good. But it, God
2: first, God second, God third. Yeah. Hey, if, if you've got the Lord to be such a priority in your life, believe me, your family and neighbors, they'll be the beneficiaries of that, won't they?
0: They will. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I love this line. The greatest test of Christianity is the wear and tear of daily life. It is like the shining of silver; the more it is rubbed, the brighter it grows. That's so true. <laughs> see, see, here's the
2: thing: um, we've got to obey God in the little things. Um, you know, we, we all think we would we would love to do something heroic for God, but what about you know being respectful to our parents? What about being loving and gentle to our spouse? Uh, it, it would be easy to do the heroic things, the the test, Chambers is right. It's in the
0: rigors of day-to-day life, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alex, I love this next one. This one, a couple sentences, so bear with me here. Our yesterdays present uh, irreparable things to us. Our yesterdays present irreparable things to us. It is true that we have lost opportunities which will never return. But God can transform this destructive anxiety into a constructive thoughtfulness for the future. Let the past sleep, but let it sleep on the bosom of Christ. Leave the irreparable past in his hands and step out into the irresistible future with him. Wow, that's beautiful.
2: Let your past sleep on the bosom of Christ. That's so poetic.
0: It's so good, isn't it?
2: Yeah, because, see, I mean, we all, you know, it's just, I guess, human nature to kind of look back and think, oh, man, I wish I hadn't have done that I, if I had only done this or that differently. And listen, thinking about the past um, can rob you of your future. Now, I, I'm really sentimental, Bill, and I love history and all that stuff. But I, here's the word I would use about your past, because, look, we're all... There's going to be a time you make a bad decision. You should have taken the job in some other state. You shouldn't have made that investment that lost money. You maybe did this or that. But I think the danger, especially for a believer, because, look, we serve a sovereign God. Joel 2.25, here's a verse. God says, I restore the years the locust has eaten, right? Mm Mm-hmm bill we become what i call morbidly introspective it's fine to think about the past but you just lay it at the feet of god and say lord um if, if we've sinned confess it and receive his forgiveness if you you did the best you could and it still turned out bad you just say, lord um moving forward help me not to do that again you know and that's what I think Chambers might have meant by letting the past rest on the bosom of Christ. Because the beautiful thing, here's this is the awesome thing about being a believer. Not only is our God able to give us a do-over, you know, our God is above time, beyond time. And people, people often say to me, Bill, they'll say, yeah, but at my age, dot, dot, dot. Well, you know what? Um, your age is simply a measurement of how many times you've ridden around the sun <laughs> i mean, I mean really mm-hmm. seriously and and so um Augustine said the soul doesn't age i'm fifty eight right now, but you know i'm I'm not slowed down any on my plans for the future and what I think the Lord wants me to do and so um we can acknowledge the past, but we should not let the past hamstring us and prevent
0: us from moving on expectantly for the future. Mm, I agree. Here's one more uh, Oswald Chambers quote. Never focus your eyes on the obstacle or the difficulty. The obstacle will be a matter of total indifference to the river that will flow steadily through you if you simply remember to stay focused on the source. Wow. Wow. That, that is so powerful. Mm-hmm. That is so powerful. That reminds
2: me of the Ralph Waldo Emerson quote. Um, and he said, what's behind us and what's before us is nothing compared to what's within us.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And within us is the Holy Spirit of God. And, you know, um, Bill Bright of Campus Crusade, I know I've said this many times, but he, oh, goodness, he did so many incredible things. And when he passed away, I called his son Brad. I said, I heard your father passed away. And we were talking about Campus Crusade and Lake Arrowhead and Josh McDowell and just the incredible legacy of Bill and Vanette Bright. And Brad Bright said, my dad served a big God. Wow. And Bill, that big God, the very same Holy Spirit that was in the heart of the Apostle Paul that's the same Holy Spirit that can work within each and every believer. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a very dear friend in Colorado named Andrew Womack, Karis Bible College, Andrew Womack Ministries. And his he he says this he says, uh don't don't tell God about your mountain. Tell your mountain about your God. I love that. Because our God is able. And our God I say says to each and every one of your wonderful listeners, God is for you and God loves
0: you. And God is listening
2: right now. Mm-hmm.
0: We don't have enough time to chat about this one, but I'll I'll leave on this one, uh, Alex. And that's the last quote from Oswald Chambers that I'm going to read today. And that is the root of all sin is the suspicion that God is not good. Wow, I would agree.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's how the Satan. That's how the serpent got Adam and Eve to disobey in the garden. Yeah, he, um, Satan impugned.
0: God's goodness. Yeah, yeah. So good. I so enjoy this, Alex. Thank you so much for making time today, and thank you for once again being on the program. Well, God yeah. bless you, God and bless you. God bless your wonderful listeners. Thank you so much. Dr. Alex McFarland has been my guest. You can go to alexmcfarland.com to learn more about Alex. His books and his writing and his thinking, it's all there. And his good-looking picture, that's there, too. We'll take a break. When we come back, my friend and Bible teacher and mentor, Jeff Verdorn, will be joining me. Can hardly wait.